Chicken salad is the ideal base for an everyday sandwich. It is creamy and delicious and mixes perfectly with any other sandwich ingredient you can imagine. Everybody has their favorite variation. Or it's just a subpar sandwich where people can hide their old, discolored, out-of-date chicken. Nothing but a poor imitation of the egg salad sandwich. Who's right? Let's find out. This week on our ongoing quest to pick our favorite sandwich, the chicken salad sandwich. Is it affordable, ethical, is it healthy and clean, is it first aid appropriate, even though he's married, is the origin true, doesn't matter to me, all that really matters is celebrities, Joe will pick a sandwich now, it's his religion to figure it out, he ate the food, he'll rate, he'll chew. Will it end up on the menu? Oh, what sandwich will he choose? Joe picks a sandwich now. Dan, how's it going, man? Good, good, Joe. Dan, I have a burning question for you. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so in a week and a half, that the next week, not this week, but next week, is the week of your wedding. Correct. You're marrying the person that you love the most in the world, hopefully. Sure. <laughs> what What is a bigger week for you? Your wedding week or this week, which saw not only the Game of Thrones premiere, which I know you're a huge fan, but also Tiger Woods winning the Masters, and just today, your least favorite European cathedral burning down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was a banner week for you, Dan. Well. I'll take those one at a time. Yesterday, I I woke up at six in the morning. I mean, I this is very like, early for you. Usually, the, you're going to bed at six in the morning. Correct. The things I am waking up at six in the morning for is a very very short list. But the final round of the Masters is certainly one of them. Like it was the type of wake up where my alarm went off at like six fifteen. I was just like, all right, let's do this. Like. No and snooze. listeners should know, you've always been a huge Tiger. I mean, in his prime, when everyone was rooting against him, you were still rooting for him. Oh, uh, definitely. <laughs> it made me love him even more. Yeah. Um, no, I and, and the thing about it is I was talking with Megan. Uh, the last time Tiger won the Masters was in 2005, and it was probably one of the most iconic moments of his career, the chip-in on 16, where the ball like just is on the edge and just rolls in. And I remember being on sitting on the couch in our college apartment with Tony. That's when I was living with Tony and uh, our two other roommates or two other housemates. And I remember just sitting on the couch, watching it on a Sunday, you know, nobody was there. And just like, you know, when Tiger won, I was like screaming. I was like, yeah, you know, like, and you know, nobody is around, nobody cares. But you know, it's, it's Master Sunday for anybody who does. I mean, I, I, I introduced you to Master Sunday two years ago when Sergio won. Master Sunday. Absolutely. Very, it's it's the best golf course in the world. It's the most exciting golf course in the world. And yesterday, I mean, it was one of the most exciting uh, final rounds of the Masters ever in the history of the tournament. And you know, for Tiger to win was it was incredible. I was thinking about you the whole time. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. It, I mean, if you you could have, I mean, I'm just trying to think. Premier League was on, but I think Tottenham just crushed Crystal Palace, so that wasn't exciting. And for you, your big excitement is going to be tomorrow, I guess, right? When Tottenham plays Man City? In the, in the second leg, when they won the first leg. Yeah. I mean, I may 
never be happier about it than I am right now because they, 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 there's a decent chance they'll get crushed tomorrow. But it's very exciting. But speaking of like screaming out loud, when uh, Sun scored that goal, I screamed because it was just like, I was like, oh, the ball's out of bounds. It's not out of bounds. And he sc- it's, it, it just makes something out of nothing. It was incredible. And what a game. I mean, for everything, you know, like I'm having to wake up at 6 a.m. for the Masters, which is terrible. The reason I'm not a Premier League fan is because there's no regular season game is ever going to get me out of bed at 6 in the morning or 4 in the morning or whatever. But Champions League, I love, baby. These games kick off at noon. It is perfect, perfect timing. Yeah, and I mean, look, it, it was a very exciting game. They won the game. It, they also didn't, like, score that goal, like, against the run of play. They were playing well the whole time. Love yeah, that. Yeah. Love that new stadium. I mean, yeah, it was just great. And, and and you know, there's this thing that I I feel like it's blasphemy. But as much as I love Harry Kane, the team kind of plays better without him because Ooh. – they and not not over the long term. I don't think over like a ten game stretch they play better without him. But in certain big matches, uh, sometimes players like Son or Lucas or you know even Erickson, they like defer too much to Kane. They like just try and get the ball to Kane because he is their best scorer. Where it's like like I don't think the goal that Son scored. I don't think if Kane is standing somewhere in the box, he's not shooting that goal. He's trying to pass it to Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll it'll be very interesting because Kane did play, what, he was injured in the second half, I think. So he did still play a lot of that game. It'll be it'll be interesting when he's just not there at all. They don't have to worry about him at all for the entire game. Yeah, no, no. I mean, certainly we are not better off without him. I wouldn't claim that, but I just think that there's a certain way that players step up when he's not there. So we'll see if it happens tomorrow. I'm excited. Okay, wait, so you're taking my, my, my three things that I gave you, your, yeah. the three highlights of the week for you. Yeah. So, okay. Number one, Tiger winning was amazing. What was the second one? I know Game the third th- one. Game of Thrones premiere. Yeah, the Game of Thrones premiere, it was a little stressful because I, I really had to spend the last week catching up as much as I could. But I did. I caught up. You know, before watching the premiere, I watched the like last episode of the previous season in addition to all the other episodes I had been watching throughout the, the series to catch up. But then as I was watching uh, the last episode of last season... I sort of became angry because I was I just re-remembered how like certain of the scenes were terrible. Yeah, it was kind of like a dud of a season by relative standards of Game of Thrones, right? I mean, but I I, I don't even think by relative standards. Like I was just watching the episode, and some of the scenes were like cringeworthy. It was like the way the characters were talking. Like these characters wouldn't talk like this. Like he would never write characters to talk like this. He would never have storylines this dumb. And um, you know, and then I was like, then my hopes. You know, my or my expectations really got drastically lowered again. And, you know, I thought the first episode was okay. It was nothing to, like, write home about. But it it wasn't – there were no, like, cringeworthy moments as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I, I would say it felt more like the previous seasons than, like, last season. Like, it was taking its time with stories. People weren't, like, teleporting around Westeros. I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, and they weren't – the thing I hate is when they're, like, shoehorning in conversations between characters where the whole point of it is, like – to, to try to, like, have one of the characters, like, close up some storyline about how they're feeling. Like, in the last uh, the episode, the last episode of the prior season, they have this conversation with Jon Snow and Theon Greyjoy that just makes no sense. Like, Jon Snow would never be having the conversation, and it's, it was just dumb. And it's like, Theon, get off the screen anyways. <laughs> and, and it was annoying, but, but they didn't have scenes like that you know there was there was none of this like oh let's try to close some storylines what i'm worried about of course and this is what happens with the final season of anything 
which is, of course, why The Leftovers was so good, as our listeners of prior podcasts know, is that they really nailed the landing. And I am very concerned that there's it's just not possible for them to actually nail this. But, you know, I, I, I'll, my expectations are low, so I, 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 I'll, I'll give them credit if they can even do a, like, semi-mediocre job. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're in a situation where the actual writer of the original story can't figure out how to stick the landing, period, yeah. like, you have to give give a little bit of, like, grace to, like, okay, even if your ending is, like, a little bit, like, off, like, you know, like like you're working with what you work with. Yeah, and we give additional props to, like, J.K. Rowling and whoever wrote the book The Leftovers and all the people who did actually, like, create, although I think The Leftovers is just one book, but, like, for people who did create universes and then actually close it, because, for example, uh, what was that other book, Hunger Games? Like, oh, terrible ending, yeah. Like, the second book was, like, uh, not as good as the first, but whatever. The third book was, like, the worst book I've ever read. No, I mean, I think, I think in general, in any storytelling, setting up mystery and conflict and intrigue and hooks is, like, obviously challenging, but it is, like, one-tenth the challenge of actually closing out those conflicts and those intrigues in a satisfying way. So yeah. when someone does it, like, I don't know if you watched, you know, Breaking Bad, but I thought that had a great ending. Like when shows end well, it's like, yeah, it it's such an awesome thing when you watch something you're like that actually like ended, even if it didn't end perfectly, it ended in a satisfactory way. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, having reread, I recently reread um, book seven of Harry Potter to like go with the binge mode podcast and just rereading it. I was just like, this is just a fantastic book. And it's just. It makes me think of the Harry Potter series so well. Yeah. And unfortunately, as the years pass, like Game of Thrones, it I just or A Song of Ice and Fire, rather, the book series, was just like when I started reading it, I was like, I couldn't put the books down. But as time goes on, the story got stolen by the show. The show sort of, you know, it, the last season of the show, as you said, was like the worst. Um, you know, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And it just makes me feel less fondly about the series Whereas for Harry Potter, like, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, wow, that was better and better. I know. I'm like, I, like, wonder about this world where, like, okay, so let's say that the that the series ends. And, like, let's say that it's okay. And, you know, it's either, like, bad to okay. Some people defend it, but other people are like, that was stupid. Okay. And then let's say he finishes the books at some point in our lifetime. And the books end, like, better. Just in any degree better. Like, <laughs> Do they reboot it? Like, like, do they just like, do they refilm the last three seasons? Do they make a cartoon out of like, like, like a, like a, a fake version of like seasons like six, seven and eight? Like, I mean, like, what do you do about a story that, that then ends better, but later it's just, it's such a weird anomaly. Like, I don't know how they're going to handle it. All the actors and actresses are like 15 years older <laughs> playing the same characters. That's why, that's why I, I think they should do a cartoon version and they could just voice the characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's what I've thought about. But, you know, for all the mental energy I've I put into in the past, oh, when is he going to come out with the books? Oh, is the oh, you know, the the movie or the TV show is now getting ahead of the book. So clearly he's going to release it. Oh, the the Polish translation is coming out soon. So surely the book's going to come out. I just give it no energy. Like the second it they say Winds of Winter has been released, I'll like perk my ears up. But I'm not even going to like as far as I'm concerned, the odds of the series ever being finished in book form is like well below 50%. So, Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So I, it'll be – if it does happen and the books do come out and the books are better, then I think that would you know do a lot to help it. But I just think that's unlikely. 
And even still, it'll just be weird if the books and the show diverge by so much that there should be a readaptation of it, which would just be weird. Okay, and then the third thing, your 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 well documented hatred of European cathedrals. Uh, no, I was very sad. The Notre Dame was burning. Uh, not only because one of our fan witches is uh, located at its namesake in the the United States, the wonderful University of Notre Dame, but um, I, having been to Barcelona and going to S- Sagrada Familia, I'm not like a huge. You know, cathedral person, probably because I'm not Catholic, but the Sagrada Familia was beautiful. And if Notre Dame is nearly as beautiful, it would be very sad for such things to have been burned. Yeah, no, and and I mean, all joking, it really is like, uh, I mean, you're reminded how old these things are. It's like almost a thousand years old, and it survives every. I mean, it survives the French Revolution, the Napoleonic Wars, all, the World War II, and then it's like, well, someone left a power tool on. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. terrible. The one thing I did find that was funny about it, though, because I, I uh, hadn't seen I'd seen the news this morning, but I hadn't seen an update. And I searched on Twitter for Notre Dame. And like one of the top tweets was like this random girl who is like it clearly in high school uh, based on her profile. And she was like, look at this. The altar and cross at Notre Dame were untouched. If that doesn't prove the existence of God, I don't know what does. <laughs> and I was just like, hmm, you know, I think it's like. Those firefighters probably uh, deserve some credit for that, but and and like the altar and the cross were like on the bottom floor, like away from the fire. So like I think they would likely have survived anyways. Also, why wouldn't have God have just not had the fire at all? <laughs> I know, like <laughs> that's sort of fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Look, the the iconic spire or whatever. God wanted to destroy that, but you gotta angered, leave. Angered God for some reason. You've got to leave the altar alone. Anyways, what I was going to say, actually, coming into this podcast, was that I want to keep it really short. Yeah, no, look, look, I think that was a that was a quick, you know, fourteen minute banter there. That's great because um, you know this wedding. It's 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 really now the pressure is really on, but we're making decisions. You know, Zabrowka drink, Joe. Yeah, tell it's me out. about it. Too expensive. It's out. The drink. What? It's out. It's too expensive. It's been replaced with champagne, which is significantly cheaper. Uh, the linens, the fancy ones, they're out. We're just getting some cheap crap. Uh, the only thing left to figure out, Joe, is what is actually going to happen in the ceremony, which we have not figured out at all. So we have to figure that out soon, maybe tomorrow. And that is why this podcast needs to be short. So I have my mental energy is free tomorrow to figure out exactly what our wedding ceremony is going to be like. Any ideas? Uh, yeah, well, I, I have written a script for your ceremony. Um, I'm happy to email it to you. <laughs> You're, you, you were so sure you were going to get the officiant role. You already well, prepared. I, well, look, look, I, I think it's important that I come with a backup script should anything happen to the the main officiant. I mean, you said that I'm the backup, and I take that role super seriously. So, yeah, I have, I have, I, you know, I have a a short, simple, very elegant ceremony locked in. But you know, should should I be needed, I'll I'll be ready. All right. <laughs> Wish you had told me that six months ago, Joe. When we were picking the officiants. You came with the script, but but it's fine. We'll come up with something. It'll be great. I mean, look at it. You know, we we kind of wing this podcast uh, with very little research, and you know, it, it's a 
massive sensation. So just do you know do the ceremony like that. Yeah, the people do like this podcast. Banter for fifteen minutes or so. Rate 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 different aspects of your of your coupling. You know, one through ten. Uh, you know, decide to put your marriage on the menu, and then you're done. <laughs> Meeting story met on OK Cupid. Uh, give us a crowd. Give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down if you think that's good. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Oh, this crowd. This, this is a tough crowd. Tough crowd. Boy, the older generation is giving a big <laughs> thumbs down for that. Oh, boy. But anyways, <laughs> wedding aside, I'm thinking about that tomorrow, Joe. We are going to bang out this podcast. So Boom. History with the fun. sandwich, Dan. What's going we on? We our fun. What's your history My- with the chicken salad sandwich? Great. You know, I picked the sandwich, Joe, last week, if you remember. You did. Much to my chagrin. Yes, much well. You you were chagrined at the prospect of me choosing, but then when I did this choice, I think you let out a very relieved sigh. Anyways, okay, enough with the banter, Joe. I picked this sandwich because a long time ago, when I worked in high school, I had a job at a place called the Marine Scene that was a aquarium store, and across the street from the Marine Scene, which was in an office park in Herndon, Virginia. There was a pot belly sandwiches, which to this day is one of my favorite sandwich places ever. Now, back then, it was much more of a, it, it, it still had originated in Chicago and so it expanded to the Northern Virginia area. So it wasn't like it was invented in Northern Virginia, but it was still much smaller than it is today. I mean, today, pot belly sandwiches are all throughout the country, although there's not one anywhere near me, unfortunately, but it's like a publicly traded company. It's, it's a big deal. However, back then, you know, much smaller deal, but is they have... sandwiches really publicly traded? Yeah, it's publicly what's traded. It, what's its? Uh, it's whatever. It's uh, like it's s- ticker. Four letters. What's its, it's ticker? Ticker is PBPB. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I only know this because I just <laughs> looked it up before coming to this podcast because I wanted to see what its market cap was out of curiosity. Should we invest some of the proceeds from this podcast into Potbelly stock? Well, if you looked at the uh, the graph of the stock over the last five years, the answer would be a big no. So it's sort of cratering. But like we're uh, buying low. Yeah, we would be buying low. You know, it, this podcast could drive it up based on what I'm about to say. But Oof. there, I've I've sampled many of the the sandwiches. Yeah, this they five have year there. trend for Potbelly is not good. <laughs> but the chicken salad sandwich at Potbelly where they put the cheese on it, they run it through the toaster, the toaster, the cheese melts a little bit on the chicken salad, which I think is great. It gives it, you know, the chicken salad itself is is more of a free-form paste, sort of, and then the melted cheese on top of it gives it a little texture, a little holding things. I will always put lettuce, tomato, and extra mayo, because I'm a mayo freak, which is also one of the reasons why I picked this sandwich and why I love chicken salad. Then the, the bread becomes a little toasty because it's crunchy. The cheese gives the, a little bit of holding power to the chicken salad. And then you've got the crisp lettuce, the crisp tomato. I love the sandwich. I mean, absolutely love the sandwich. I would get – every time I would go to Potbelly's we'd, when we'd go there for lunch, I would always get two. I would have the one at lunch and then I would take the other one and put it in the fridge. And then when I went home, I would have it for dinner that night. Wow. It's – it's a sandwich that I, I, I love to this day. Whenever I'm at an airport and they've got a potbelly sandwiches, for example, Dulles Airport has one. I will always go there. I will always get the chicken salad sandwich. I think. And knowing chicken, you, you don't eat breakfast, so that me- means that your meal, like basically, a hundred percent of what you ate that day, were potbelly chicken sandwiches. <laughs> Correct. It's great. It's a great sandwich, and I love chicken salad. 
it, now, to this modern day, I actually don't I, – I do eat chicken salad sandwiches sometimes. It's obviously a very easy sandwich to make at home. You go to the deli, get chicken salad. The reason I don't make it as much at home as I used to is because I have not found a local source of chicken salad that is up to my standards. Because the problem with the chicken salad sandwich is the sandwich is basically made or broken by the quality of the chicken salad, in my opinion. So to me, this is a sandwich that I have a lot of past history with, a lot of fond history with. In the modern, you know, last year, I've probably had chicken salad, I don't know, maybe five times in the last year just because my local grocery store, the chicken salad they sell just isn't as high quality as I would like. And so I I choose other types of things to make sandwich. For example, the high quality boar's head meat, if I want to have a turkey sandwich, etc. But to me, this is this is a sandwich I've had for 20 years, a sandwich I love. Uh, and it, to me, this is just a staple sandwich in, in anybody's sandwich rotation, and certainly it was in mine. So I can say for me, it's almost the opposite, that, uh, that I didn't have any chicken salad sandwiches in the first 20 years of my life. Uh, Interesting. That, you know, chicken salad just wasn't something that we ate much at home. And also, like, we didn't eat much salad. Like, we didn't eat, like, the idea of, like, stuff mixed with mayonnaise. Like, we didn't have, like, pasta salad or macaroni salad. We didn't have um, coleslaw. Uh, tuna was it. Tuna tuna salad was, like, the only thing that we ate that was like that. Yeah. Um, and to me, chicken salad always felt like, oh, this is just, like, less exciting version of the tuna salad. And then yeah. – when I married your sister, your sister is a big chicken salad fan. So she introduced me to chicken salad. And now it's like part of, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't call it like a, it's not like a weekly staple, but it's something that is like on the like household menu of things that we have. Now, one thing, you send me a picture of your chicken salad sandwich. And obviously I described a little bit of the, the classic sandwich I got at Potbelly's. And the, the version I make at home is a little bit different, of course, because I don't have the toaster. I don't have the, the roll or whatever. But yours was chicken salad inside what looked to me to be a pita pocket it wasn't pita it was on it was on a wheat flatbread oh which i just thought was gonna make a good combination and i mean we'll talk later about whether or not it did but it just felt like the right pick to me because it it wasn't like as squishy as like a white bread i was wondering and the source of my question is is that a a standard way you have the sandwich yourself or was this just like podcast experimentation no this was just you know i was only going to make one this week because it's something i've had before so it's not like the sandwich where you like feel like i need to try like five different versions of this to get it right you know so i've had it on white bread i've had it on probably rolls at times or whatever um and as as i was perusing the bread options in my house i was like you know what i bet it's going to be pretty good on this interesting interesting uh great all right uh let's move right along to the history of chicken salad and the chicken salad sandwich. Now, in my abbreviated research, I found a website that talked about the the history of chicken salad, and it said apparently it went back to China a long time ago uh, because, like, chicken is something that people have been eating for a long time, and making some form of mayonnaise is something people have been doing for a long time because it's just sort of a combination of eggs and oil. So the the main part of chicken salad has been something that you know people have have been making for a very long time but i i found this uh on the wikipedia page there's this primary source and since it is now well in the public domain i can read about it and this gives us a firm date and it gives us a little geography of where chicken salad took hold in these united states 
Let me guess. So, there was a chicken and some mayonnaise, and the chicken fell into the mayonnaise. But you know, they didn't want <laughs> they didn't they didn't want to throw it out. So that you know, they just said, "Well, let's try this." Well, uh, no. <laughs> Although, it is very possible that that is the story for who had the first chicken salad sandwich. But it is interesting nonetheless, because, Joe, this is from the very famous book, The Carolina Housewife, or House and Home, from 1980, or not even 19, from 1847. So, Joe, take yourself back to the Carolinas, 1847, the South. A salad to be eaten with cold meat or fowl. This is a cookbook, by the way. The yolk of a raw egg, a teaspoonful of made mustard, half a teaspoon of salt. The mustard and salt be rubbed together, then add the egg. Pour on very slowly the sweet oil, rubbing hard all the time, till as much is made as is wanted. Then add a tablespoon of vinegar. When these ingredients are mixed, they should look perfectly smooth. If it curdles, uh uh-oh. Add a little more mustard or a little vinegar. If you I mean, basically, want... they're telling you how to make mayonnaise at this point. Well, they're making their like a know. mustard mayonnaise. Yeah, I, well, I think they're talking about how to make chicken salad, basically. But it is it is basically the ingredients for the mayonnaise, which then mixes with the the fowl or cold meat. But the point is, chicken salad has been around for a long time. I'm sure it's been eaten in sandwiches for a long time. And as this data point shows, this pre pre Civil War. Yeah. Pre-Civil War, this particular cookbook shows, but I'm also going to have more data points to show this. Chicken salad is apparently much more popular in the American South than it is anywhere else. And apparently it's somewhat of a delicacy in the American South. So it, it this is – I mean I was surprised in the research, but it is it is sort of like a southern food. That Yeah, that is interesting. I mean I guess, you know, I think potbelly sandwiches are also like a southern chain, right? So I mean that makes no. sense that you would know. No. Founded in Chicago, then no. moved all over the country. All right. Well, never mind then. <laughs> well, you took a shot. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Are you just then. marking that down for your investment thesis? Sure. Well, you know, they're, they're Chicago-based right. corporation, <laughs> stock plummeting. Yeah, this is a solid <laughs> investment. Uh, so, uh, it's a strong buy rating from the Joe Picks <laughs> podcast. Um, let's see. Yeah. No, you know what? Like, this is this – is, Obviously has a good history behind it. Uh, anytime you can get a source from, you know, 150 years ago, I mean, you know, that's great. The spire of Notre Dame still existed when the sandwich was <laughs> when the sandwich was invented. Uh, let's say, uh, you know, seven out of ten. That's good. Seven out of ten. Boy, you have some obsession with this Notre Dame thing, Joe. It's very sad. Have you been there before? I have been. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. I didn't care for it. No, I'm just kidding. It was, great. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> so, you're, so you're, this whole time you're just projecting on me. You secretly, when you were yeah, inside, was, you were like, this is too beautiful. I want this destroyed. It was beautiful. No. Um, okay. Yeah. What's next, Dan? Could the sandwich be in my regular rotation? So here we're going to talk about prep availability and health. Now, here is where I'm just going to get this second data point out of the way because I thought it was very interesting. Did you know, Joe, that there is a fast casual chain of restaurants throughout the South counting over 100 different franchise locations called Chicken Salad Chick, which, as you might have guessed, is a fast food restaurant where you go in. They have eight 
I think, or to 10 different varieties of chicken salad that you can have either in a bowl or on a sandwich, and then you can customize it up the wazoo. So in terms of availability and chicken salad, obviously, this is available locally at a deli or or whatever, you you know, we can get into more details about that uh, in our locales. But this is a type of ingredient that is literally anchoring a 100-plus fast food franchise chain in the South, which I think is pretty impressive. Well, you know, it, it, it gets us at this point that I don't know, I guess we can talk about it in terms of prep, though I think it, t- it touches on the taste too. Um, the, the, the thing that is so impressive to me about the chicken salad sandwich is that it is like an incredibly customizable sandwich. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that as I was reading, like, um, I mean, first of all, let's like take aside this question of like what you put on top of it, like, do you put lettuce and tomato and pickles or whatever you want, right? Which is true for a lot of sandwiches, but just the chicken salad prep alone. I mean, I found recipes that have, um, you know, that have have olives in it, recipes that have, yep. um, you know, raisins in it, recipes that had yep. pecans in it, recipes that had pine nuts in it. Like, I mean, just any variation you could think of. And it was just sort of nice if you're making the chicken salad at home, which I did, in that, like, you basically can make it however you want, and it's going to be what you want. If you like a little bit more sweetness to it, then go right ahead, right? Like, there's no – it is probably – of the sandwiches we've talked about, it's the most – I think it allows for the most customization. Yeah. And this is going to, unfortunately, take time to read through these things. But I'm just going to do it because I'm on the Chicken Salad Chick website. And I just want to go through all their variants of chicken salad that if you walk into one of their locations and you're looking for a type of sandwich, these are your options for ordering the, just the type of chicken salad. And this is to your point, not even the, the toppings you're going to put on it, just the chicken salad itself. Classic Carol, all white meat, shredded chicken, finely minced celery, mayonnaise, and our secret seasoning. So that's the default. That's, I think everybody would say that's the standard. You know, celery, mayonnaise, shredded chicken. Then they've got Olivia's Old South, a southern tradition combining sweet pickles and egg. Then, Lauren's Lemon Basil, our brightest flavor featuring chopped pecans, fresh basil, and lemon. Dixie Chick, it says our most offensive salad. It's got extra onions in there. Sassy Scotty, a zesty blend of ranch, bacon, and shredded cheddar cheese. Barbecue, hickory smoke barbecue flavor that is sure to please. In their fruity and nutty section, Fancy Nancy. Dress it up with Fuji apples, seedless grapes, and pecans. Exactly what you were saying. And that's like grapes is also a really common ingredient people put in chicken salad. Fruity Fran, freshing blend of Fuji apple, seedless grapes, and pineapple. Cranberry Kelly, a mixture of dried sweetened cranberries and silvered, oh, slivered almonds. Or silvered, whatever. And then, Joe, their last section, the spicy section. Craving wings? Try buffalo bar clay. It must have some sort of spicy buffalo sauce. Then they have jalapeno holly. Diced jalapenos mixed with the chicken salad. And then finally, kickin' K. Lynn. This flavor powers a combination of buffalo sauce, ranch, bacon, shredded cheddar cheese, jalapenos, and sriracha sauce. That's amazing. Those all sound great. I, also, I mean, when I was picking the sandwich last week and I intentionally said chicken salad is just like the vague broad category because you know i think the the variability of chicken salad is just one of its strengths and you know i could have never even imagined when i picked this sandwich that there was a chain of restaurants that serves 10 different kinds of chicken salad sandwich but it's just 
uh, you know, that that's just what chicken salad can do because it can really be anything to your tastes. So I made mine at home. I'll tell you what I put in mine. Uh, I put in onion. I put in sweet pickles. Wow. Yeah. A little southern. That, that's, a, that's from the southern menu. Listen, there. I'm about to blow your mind. Uh, I put in, obviously, chicken and mayonnaise. And yes. then I put in sriracha as well. Whoa. And from yeah. the, the spicy section. So and every one of those ingredients, even though that's like a mix they don't have on this particular site, obviously all of those ingredients are in one of their flavors. Oh, yeah, no, that, that's that's pretty incredible. And also, you know, it just shows that, like, there's no real wrong way to do this sandwich. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I guess that's the great part about it. If you're making it at home, you can just make it exactly to your taste. So I guess you like the little southern term of the pickles, but you want a little spice in there. Yeah, exactly. So so did you buy yours or make yours, or did you buy the chicken salad and make it at home? So I've never actually made chicken salad, I don't think, in my entire life. I've had homemade chicken salad before, but for this week, what I did is I bought chicken salad at the local supermarket, which I know is not my favorite version of chicken salad, but I made two sandwiches from that. But I know how to make the sandwich around the chicken salad, you know, if it's not exactly how I like it. But then I was like, today, I was like, I have to have like a real chicken salad sandwich from a real place. So I found a sandwich place. It's about a mile away from where I live. And their little, it was literally their signature sandwich was like, like the, uh, it was it's called Old Pop Sandwich Shop. And it's like Old Pop's favorite was their chicken salad sandwich. So I just went there, said, give me the Old Pop's favorite and, you know, just give me it the, the standard way with everything. And uh, I had that. So I had, you know, a homemade version with, I think, you know, mediocre at best local chicken salad. And then I had... You know, a virgin from a sandwich shop, which clearly cares about making a good chicken salad sandwich. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'll say that I think that in terms of availability, it's pretty easy to make. As you said, I mean, every grocery store in their deli section has chicken salad. And then this is going to be on most, if not all, sandwich shops menu. They're going to have a chicken salad sandwich. So it's very available. Yeah. And the last thing is health. And so for this, I just looked at the Potbelly's original chicken salad sandwich to get their nutritional information, the sandwich I've had many times. And just to, to, I think it gives a, a very standard, fair look at the, the health of the sandwich. 600 calories, 27 grams of fat, 7 grams of saturated fat, 800 milligrams of sodium, 58 grams of carbs, 37 grams of protein. So this sandwich actually, you know, next to all of the things, it's got the little percentages of your daily intake. And basically, the fat's like 33%, the saturated fat's like 33%, the sodium's 33%, the carbs are a little lower, um, and the protein, 37 grams, is a bunch of protein. So this is a sandwich that, you know, if you're going by the, like, nutritional facts or whatever, and obviously different people have different diets that target different things, but the sandwich is not unhealthy in any way, though, obviously, I'm sure there are healthier options. But this is just like a standard right down the middle sandwich, you know, to, to hit your calories without like horribly, you know, damaging your health. No, it's true. And, and you know, I actually think that um, that making the fact that the sandwich is customizable actually helps with the health, too. Because like, for example, um, I think I made like a pretty healthy version because I use light mayo. But then adding the pickles, which are sort of like themselves a little bit like there's pickle juice and it's like it's like a very wet ingredient. Like 
you don't want to skimp on the mayo because you don't want because chicken can be a little dry. But if you're adding yeah. something else with moisture, and even like the sriracha, which is like, which is like a sauce, was adding more yeah. moisture to it. So it was like I was adding things that are lower in terms of fat and calories than the mayo, but the overall you know effect was that it it, it didn't feel dry at all. Yeah, and the consistency, and that's the thing with chicken salad is if you get that right consistency. Then, yeah, I guess to your point, it doesn't matter if it's coming from the mayo or it's coming from other ingredients, you know, as long as and, and you know exactly what that consistency is supposed to, to be like. I mean, they knew it in the 1840s because she specifically described the consistency you're going for. Right. And um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I mean, from this category, I think it, it probably does pretty well. So I'm very interested to hear what your score is. Now, the one thing that I'm just curious about your prep real quick, because I've seen this made two different ways, and I definitely had a way that I made it at home. But I've seen it, it just like looking online at recipes, you see like a ton of different ways of doing it. Do you prefer like a chunky chicken or do you re- want the chicken to be like very blended? All right. Well, I mean, now we're getting into, um, I guess, taste preference. So I'll try to to not get into that too much. But for me, the version that Potbellies has is very blended. And the version that I got at the the sandwich shop was very blended. The version that came from the supermarket was a little chunkier. And to me, the problem with chunkier is that it's just drier, just naturally. Because obviously, when you bite into a chunk of chicken, it is not going to be as juicy as a conglomeration of mayonnaise and other stuff. See, I wish this was a sandwich corp because I agree 100%. And when I make it at home, I don't I don't chop the chicken. I, I put it in like the um, the food processor to like yeah. really grind it up and it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's the right way to do it. And, and honestly, that's the reason that I think the chicken salad from um, my local grocery store is is a bit mediocre because I think they they just don't have the, the right consistency. And I think I understand why they do it because I think that when you're like they have got that bowl out there on the deli, like if it's sort of like like chicken salad, just the look of it is probably not the most appetizing thing in the world. And I think when you've got more chunks in there and if you've got like bigger chunks of celery or whatever, I think it, it looks more appealing. But I think when... It's in a sandwich. I think that's just worse. Yeah, I sent you that picture. It, it, it's not an appealing looking sandwich. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I think it's appealing looking sandwich based on you know past history. But if chicken salad is sort of the right consistency for a sandwich, it, you know, it does sort of look like a a weird uh, you know goo. mix of yeah. yeah yeah. It's a goo for sure. Uh, yeah. So I think this is a very this this score is really well in terms of of availability and health. So I think eight and a half out of ten. It's right up there. All right, sweet. Next, is it a first date sandwich? Thanks to Rob for sending in this information for us. I mean, what a guy. Rob is nothing if not consistent. Hey, guys. Intriguing pick for a first date sandwich. It's an unusual choice, so I'm not sure what message would be sent by it. It's not exactly healthy, but not gluttonous either. It's a very light sandwich, so it'll be good to keep your energy levels up for any post-meal plans. The bad breath factor is minimal. Nothing a piece of gum won't take care of. By the way, I also have to interject here because of this Tiger Woods thing. Tiger Woods went from being like, you know, sort of stoic and what his old self to now Tiger Woods just constantly chews gum on the golf course. And I'm telling you, Joe, from like an investment perspective, I'll bet Wrigley stock is like is going to just shoot (laughs) up because I guarantee you every golfer now for like the rest of eternity is just going to be chewing gum constantly. This is they need like uh, Callaway branded gum. This is their opportunity. Get in there quick with a Woods sponsorship for for Callaway 
for Callaway branded gum. It'll work for them. <laughs> Wait, Joe, baby, that's our market opportunity. We make the first golf specific gum. Yes, yes. Oh, oh, and you have different pieces for like, okay, when you're driving, you chew this piece, you know, like. Oh, my God. It's great. It's great. Oh, that's brilliant. Double because because that's the whole point. You just want to chew it while you're hitting the shot. After you hit the shot, you got to spit it out because you're like drinking beer or doing whatever you do. So yeah, it's, and it's the caddy ju- can like recommend which type, which stick you 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 take for for which shot you have. Like, oh, you know, I I recommend the uh, you know the five iron and and this stick of gum. <laughs> well, you seem a little tense right now. Let's get you in a peppermint. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is a million dollar idea. Wow. Wow. And like if, if things are going badly, it's like, all right, let's just change it up. You know, get in, get some sriracha flavored gum. You know, let's really clear your palate. We got to shake something. up your system. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I shouldn't even we shouldn't even release this on the podcast. This no, is too ed- good. You need to edit all this out. This is too good an idea. Jesus. Patent pending. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to that. It's just going to be a one minute bleep for everybody <laughs> before that. All right. Rob continues. The spill factor is low. Overall, not a bad choice. It will definitely stand out as an unusual selection, but won't hurt your chances with anybody besides someone looking for a real manly man. And I know you guys. Not the type you're going to appeal to anyhow. Whew. Wow. Low blow from Rob. Rob's date rating, a goodnight kiss with her coming back for a quick peck before saying bye with a smile. All right, Dan. Well, what do you think? I mean, do you agree with Rob's assessment that it's something, something, quick peck? I don't know. That sounds good. Well, that does the, the goodnight kiss where they're coming back for a quick peck. It does seem to me like that's a very Southern thing for whatever reason. Mm. I don't know if I'm, I'm um, you know, giving the, the Southern Belle, I'm giving it to stereotypes, but that just feels like something a Southern Belle would do. Yeah, you would do very w- well at a cotillion with a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Great cotillion sandwich. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a good Southern sandwich. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think what he's saying is right. I think one one point that he makes, which is a good point, is you'd think the sandwich would be like super heavy because of all the mayonnaise in it. But I think the sandwich actually is it, it tends to be on the lighter side. Like this is not a sandwich where I think after eating it, I would ever be concerned about like getting a stomach ache or something. It just seems like a very easily digestible sandwich. I, I think the bad breath factor is there a little bit, depending on the type of sandwich you get, because I think you sort of can get that mayo breath a little bit from, you know, I think you get it from, it's better than tuna salad, but it, it's still there a little bit. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean I'm, just, I, I'm just trying to, there's something odd about it, and maybe you can help me pinpoint it. I'm just trying to picture, you're sitting at a cafe for a first date, and, you know, as you said, you shouldn't ever be eating a meal for a first date, but you're in this circumstance where... She, she says, you know, why don't we order some lunch? I'm a little hungry. And you say, yeah, you know, I'm hungry too. Okay, whatever. You're there. You're about to order. And you look at the menu and you say to the waiter, bring me the chicken salad sandwich. It's, it, it seems odd, odd to me. Tell me why. Yeah, I think the reason, just picturing that in my head, is the chicken salad sandwich is almost, it's like a utilitarian sandwich. Yeah. And I th- I think it it when you're when you're ordering such a sandwich it just begs the question of like why are you ordering this bizarre sandwich like you have you have the opportunity to make an impression and like chicken salad is what you're choosing. Right. 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 Yeah, there is something maybe a little boring about it, I guess. Yeah, I think it's boring and it's sort of like weird because I think, you know, aside from the, the the franchise that's based around chicken salad. So if you were taking your date there, hey, weird choice. But then the ordering would be fine. 
or B, like the old pop sandwich shop where, you know, pop, I mean, maybe the fact that it's old pop does indicate maybe the age range for the sandwich of, of when it was at its heyday. But I think most sandwich places, like, this is never going to be their, like, specialty, top-of-the-line billboard sandwich. Right. And so I, it's just a weird thing to order because if you if you are, you know, like the French dip last week, we talked about, like, the French dip is, go, is like a headline sandwich at the places that have it. So if you order the French dip, you're making a statement, you know. You order the BLT, that's a headline sandwich. You know, that's that's a real classic. The chicken salad is just like, you know, it's not a showy sandwich. It, it, it's just, it's it's a great sandwich. It's got a, a lot of variability. You know, we talked about the pluses of it, but to me, it's just not, it, it's, it's not a first impression sandwich. No, no. I mean, now if you were ordering something like the, you know, like the sriracha and caper, you know, yeah, chicken. If it was like a special chicken salad sandwich, then I think you're, you know, you're raising a few eyebrows. But I think, I think that's the thing that's sort of odd to me. It's not a bad first date sandwich, but it does make a weird first impression. I mean, if we were saying, if we were rating, is this a cotillion sandwich? We'd be nine out of ten for sure. Yeah, but a first date sandwich, I'm gonna say five and a half out of ten. Yeah, fair enough. And actually, I was just thinking about it, like. You know, this wedding is coming up in two weeks, and on the platter at the cocktail hour, you know, one of the, the little appetizers that's coming around is their, like, super fancy take on a grilled cheese. Right. And right. I was just thinking in my head, could there have been anything on the menu where it was like, this is our fancy take on the chicken salad sandwich that could be passed around at, like, a fancy wedding, and it would seem appropriate? And I just, I mean, I just... It, just couldn't even think of anything. Yeah, it would be weird. It'd be odd. Uh, which wouldn't doesn't necessarily make it a bad choice. It just isn't. It you're not going to make a great first impression with this sandwich. I'd advise yeah. against it. I'm just thinking about it right now. It seems like there are certain types of sandwiches that can be classed up and classed down as as they want. Like for example, you can get a really cheap burger from McDonald's. That's you know. Under $1, all the basics, or you can go get the fanciest, you know, $20 burger that's got all the the fixins, you know, all the highest quality meat, whatever. And like grilled cheese, obviously, it can be the quickest thing you just throw together on your skillet. You know, you make it at home in five minutes with American cheese, or obviously there are really fancy versions of it. There also is a store that makes... Um, grilled cheeses it's called melt or something like that or it's, a, it's like a food truck thing but like this chicken salad place it might be the only place in the world where yeah. chicken salad itself is like up to a brow necessary where it, it, it's like entering the classy level yeah now there's lots of them so obviously it's working for them but yeah yeah no i agree i agree it it it's more like the pb and j in that way of like you know it's not an offensive first date sandwich, but you're not really going to like impress anyone with it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. What's next? Thanks. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. We're doing a, I'm blowing it, Joe. It's my fault. But look, if we can just get out of here in 12 minutes, we'll be under the one hour mark. So is this sandwich a monster? Oh no, wait, I skipped the most important one. Damn it. Well, that would really help for time. Does the sandwich taste good? Well, actually, I mean, I actually think that we can actually talk about this quickly because we've 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 talked about so many of the essential components, you know, already. But I think, of course, it tastes good. Chicken tastes good. Mayo tastes good. Uh, but then you add to that the fact that, like, 
you can basically make this like if it doesn't taste good, you're just doing something wrong because you can put yeah. whatever the fuck you want in it, right? Even yeah. I mean, I would I would even argue that even if you were buying store bought and you found like a good store bought version of chicken salad, you could still add anything to it. It doesn't really change anything. You could yeah. add more mayo if you're you right. wanted to. You could add sriracha. You can add olives. Whatever. Um, it's it's customization is its strongest suit because. You know, even even the chicken salad that I made, this is I I made one version, and then because your sister doesn't like spicy stuff, I I I, I made her a sandwich. I took the rest, I added the sriracha, and then I had my version. Yeah. So even within the same like mix, I was I was customizing it for each of us. Yeah, and it was funny just looking at your sandwich where I my, the sandwich I got and the sandwich I make. Like when I made the sandwich at home, I put chicken salad down. I I also put mayo down. I, I like provolone cheese because that's a cheese that Pop Belly uses. I think it very, goes very well with chicken salad. Then I put a tomato on there, and I always put sprouts on there because I like that the sprouts give it a little added texture. Because, again, chicken salad itself sort of has a texture, but, you know, I think it's in its best form when it's the creamiest. So I think the sprouts really give the sandwich a little more texture, especially given that I was using white bread, which, to your point, you know, the white bread is, is not going to be adding texture to the sandwich. And it's just... I. It was great. You know, the, the 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 chicken salad from the deli, it's just the chunks of chicken are too big, and it's, it was just a little too dry. And unfortunately, the only way to fix it would be to kind of do what you said. Like, I would have to take it from the thing and put it in a food processor because no amount of mayo can change the fact that the chunks of chicken were too big and they were dry. At which point, you might as well just be making your own chicken salad because it's not hard to just take a chicken breast and put it in the food processor. Yeah, I mean – Fair enough. And then – but when I went to the, the sub shack, it was just like – it wasn't – they didn't toast it, which to me, I think the sandwich is best when that cheese is is a little toasted on it just the way Potbelly makes it. And you, you sort of have the contrast of the chicken salad and the cheese, which are a little warmed up, and the cold ingredients. Um, but e- e- even still, you know, as I said, I would eat one right away where you've got this contrast and then I would refrigerate one and eat it later where everything's cold and I think it's still good. But when I had it at the sub place, it was just phenomenal. It was, you know, the the chicken salad was a, that smooth consistency. They actually put pepperoncinis on there, which I'd never had before. But I thought they added a really nice touch to it. You know, when I got those in a bite. And, you know, it's just goes great with shredded lettuce. goes great with tomatoes. It's it, it was just fantastic. I just ate up the sandwich. I loved it. Goes great with chips, by the way, too. You know, some people, I'm not one of them, but some people like to put chips in their sandwiches. And this is a perfect thing because the chips, you can just sort of jam them in there with the chicken salad because of its consistency. It holds the sandwich together. It holds the ingredients together. You can sort of mix in whatever you want in there. And, you know, it was fantastic. I'm, I think I'm going to go back to that sub place and get their chicken salad sandwich when the mood strikes me because it was really delicious. I'm glad you said that thing about the uh, chips because I was thinking that this would be a good sandwich to just add a few, like, barbecue chips to. That'd be awesome. Oh, definitely. I mean, some of the, the variations clearly were mixed with, like, barbecue-style ingredients and barbecue sauce and whatever. And I think it would be great. I mean, it's it's just this infinitely customizable thing and once you find something that you like, it's it's not hard to make. It's it's not hard to like make to exactly your specifications you want. And then it's it's just great. I mean, and you can also make a batch of it and then keep it in the fridge for, you know, what? 3 or 4 days or something and then it would be fine. You know, you can have sandwiches all week from it. You know, that was the other thing. So I made my sandwich last night. Um 
And this is another reason why I use the flatbread because it, it wouldn't get soggy. But I didn't eat it till today at lunch. I like put it in the fridge and brought it with me. It was still good. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I picked the sandwich because of my history with it. But, um, you yeah. know, to me, it's it's a very good tasting sandwich. And again, when, you, you know, you're going to give it a rating on a scale. And I think, you know, sort of in the first date section, there's a point like, well, it's a great sandwich, whatever. Obviously, to me, it's different than like a BLT or like a bacon cheeseburger or something like that. But to me, I think it carves out a very nice niche. And I'll be very interested to see how you score it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think on taste, I think really held up. Love the customization. I'm going to say seven and a half out of ten. Yeah. I think that's a good workmanlike score. Good workmanlike score. Okay. And I just remember from a time thing, we don't have to spin the wheel. We already know what we're doing. That's going to shave off some time. That's going to be exciting. Is this sandwich a monster, Dan? As far as sandwiches with meat, this one is the most benign. Chicken is less resource intensive to produce than other forms of meat. There are some concerns, slaughterhouse labor, animal welfare, and more, but I can't belabor all of this stuff every time. On the bright side, chicken salad uses less meat since you're mixing it, and you've got some other ingredients in there. Mayo is kind of gross, but that's more personal belief than expert conclusion. Monster scale, imp. I mean... I mean, I'm glad that he brought up the uh, chicken slaughterhouse labor because luckily the union I work for, we represent those, those uh, processing workers. This is, this is union, union processed is the term we like to use, Josh. Union processed chicken. And uh, are, how, are their, uh, how are their safety concerns? I assume they must be tip top if they're being represented by our union. I mean, literally, I'm glad you asked. Our members have some of the best, I think not some of the best line speed standards in the country. Thanks to, uh, you know, they're standing up for it. It's great. And line speed, I assume, means the fewer number of things they have to do per hour. Correct. Correct. Which is a huge safety concern. The amount that they're like expected to do and like, I don't know, like by, I mean, it's insane the number of chickens that are killed in this place every day. Like when I heard the numbers, I was like, I like pulled out my, my, my my calculator i'm like multiplying to figure out how many, I, i'm like this is just one plant i'm just shocked at like they're 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 slaughtering so many chickens like how are there still alive chickens in the universe like it's crazy but uh, if those line speeds were faster they'd be killing even more so that's slightly more humane exactly exactly think about um, that josh yeah there you go no look i mean i i kind of figured this might be better on the monster scale so yeah i think this is good for me it's like a you know eight out of ten yeah, Could sandwich you, Josh, as long as the sandwich doesn't have beef, that gives it like a, a huge boost. Solid point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about the celebrity. Oh, so I have two stories, both about uh, famous uh, celebrity couples. Ooh. Coincidentally, whose names start with J. Uh, so mm. Justin Timberlake and Jessica Biel. Ooh. Famous celebrity that's, couple. That's a hot celebrity couple. Yes. They talked about being country folk, and they went to uh, the Franklin Mercantile Deli, uh, a posh in a posh Nashville suburb. It's apparently a famous deli, and they ordered just says Justin and Jess ordered the local favorite Mabel's pecan chicken salad sandwich. Hmm. They ordered two and a veggie sandwich, and it says Justin was probably fueling up. Before his country gig at the CMA's Wednesday night, where he stole the show, so they're sort wow. of giving credit to the sandwich for his performance at the CMA's. 
I which think, I think it's, is pretty good. Entirely deserved. I mean, Rob was saying the sandwich is, you know, it's an unusual choice purely from an aesthetic perspective on the first date. But I think from a utilitarian perspective, I mean, as Rob said, it's it's going to fuel you up, but it's not too heavy. And, you know, obviously bad breath. I, as far as sandwiches go, it is probably just average. It's not terrible. But look, when you're up there performing on stage, your breath doesn't even matter. No, I mean, I would say, look, you're... You're, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're fueling up for the CMAs, have two sandwiches. If your breath smells bad, get some of that, you know, fairway gum <laughs> <laughs> and you're all good. You're all good. That's man. a good name. Yeah. Uh, uh, the second story, another set of, uh, J celebrity couple, this is going back to 2008, back when John Mayer and Jennifer Aniston were dating. Uh, this is after they broken up, but they, but they were, were uh, caught uh, by the paparazzi in a Sunset Tower hotel uh, where they dined at a small table eating chicken salad and drinking wine. Wow. wow. Oh, I'd never even considered pairing it with wine. Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to know what wine it pairs with. But I would say in general, I mean, is it possible that this sandwich got them back together? I don't know. Are they still together? I don't really follow that much, but I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? If, if nothing else, they'll always have that night. And they'll always have chicken salad. A magical chicken sandwich, chicken salad sandwich. So I would say, as celebrity stories go, this is great. Two different celebrity couples, both enjoying chicken salad, bringing people together, rocking the CMAs. You know, yeah. I think seven out of ten. Wow. I would have gone higher. I mean, that, that's some hot celebrities. I mean, it's not a red carpet sandwich. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, the, I don't know if the CMA has a red carpet, but <laughs> anyways... No time for that, Joe. We have to get all the rest of the podcast done in one minute. Seems impossible. But we're going to go for it. Let's put the chicken salad sandwich on the cutting board so everybody knows how this is going to work. I'm going to make my case. Then Joe, the final arbiter, the namesake, the eponymous host or co-host of this podcast, will then make his final decision on whether the chicken salad sandwich goes on the menu or into the compost bin. Joe, chicken salad, more like... This ballad, creamy and delicious, chicken salad is great. On a sandwich, no less, bread, it's perfect mate. Not too heavy or light, any veg a fit, slather it with mayo, every bite is lit. Wow, Dan, that was beautiful. <laughs> there you go. That, that was, was it. That was beautiful. Wait, it's, so so you're recommending that I that I do what with it? <laughs> Well, I was going to continue the ballad with some sort of conclusion, but Joe, there's no time. I unfortunately, among wedding planning, when I was doing this and Megan said, why are you helping wedding planning? My excuse of I'm writing a ballad for the sandwich podcast was not an acceptable excuse. Wow. I had to go. I had to go back to writing emails to the DJ. But yes, I recommend if every bite is lit, put it on the menu. (sighs) Okay, Dan, let me ask you this. Did you cut your chicken salad sandwich on the bias? Did you cut did you cut it diagonal or square? Well, the one I got from the sub place was definitely cut on the bias. The the one I made at home. Now, I think within the the letter of the law, I am still legal. I did not cut it at all. I did not I okay. I did not okay. not That's cut fine. it in a diagonal way. I just did not That's cut fine. it. That's fine. Well, and my my flatbread was round, but I definitely <laughs> cut it diagonal. It just it was hard to tell. 
Yeah, that one's tough. That one, <laughs> that one might have to go to the courts at some point <laughs> to decide. That's real tough. Okay. I mean, look, I think, obviously, I think this scored well throughout. I don't think there's one thing we scored it poorly on, right? I mean, you know, you're correct. You're keeping score. I know you're you're crunching the numbers here. Now, look, I could read the scores back to you, Joe, but there's no time. No. But yes, it scored well in all of them. I would say the one detraction to it just is that the same reason why it's not the perfect first date sandwich is that it's a little boring. But I think that's sort of on you to class it up. So I'm going to say chicken salad more like chicken valid because it's a valid sandwich <laughs> to go on the menu. I think I think. I, I I did not go into this week thinking that this was going to make it on the menu. I thought this was going to be a good sandwich, but not. But it, it wouldn't rise to the level. But look, I think we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different um, salad sandwiches in the course of this podcast. Yes. I think this is going to be a hard one to beat. I think yeah. that the tuna salad was so clearly not going to make it on the menu. Um, now, maybe like the closed face version we'll do one day and who knows. But like this chicken salad, it sort of solved all the problems with the tuna salad and was more customizable because – Tuna has a very specific flavor, but chicken you can sort of do whatever you want with. Now, now, Joe, for all our listeners out there, we have not covered a tuna salad sandwich yet. So we you did are, the tuna melt, though. We did the tuna. Yeah, melt. we yeah. have yeah. had we have had tuna salad on a sandwich. However, I and I, I have not re-listened to that episode in some time. But I believe I said that I think the sandwich would be better without the you know cheese on top and without the heating it. But you know, I think. Tuna salad itself on a sandwich still, you know, oh, totally. it's up in it's the air. Still, it's still up in the air. I'm just saying chicken salad sandwich has now dropped a gauntlet that's going to be hard for the tuna salad sandwich to beat. That's yeah, all and I'm I saying. think that's fair enough. It, it, the one thing we do know for a fact, because we talked about in that episode, from the isn't a monster perspective, chicken salad is just light years ahead of tuna salad. Yeah, and it solves a lot of the date problems. Look, I just think... Chicken salad was great. It's going on the menu. It should be proud to be on the menu. It's only, I think, our fifth sandwich on the menu at this point. Yeah, the menu is pretty sparse at this point. So it's true. It's true. No, I mean, it's just, it's not sparse. It's that the menu is a high achievement. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's, look, as I said in my history with the sandwich, this this isn't like, you know, to me, uh, a sandwich I'm making sacrifices for. Like, I could get any sandwich I want at Potbelly, which makes great sandwiches. I think it's just a fantastic sandwich. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, Joe, no time for a lunch pail this week. We've got to get it under time. But hey, next week, if you have, if you want your question answered in the lunch pail, hey, send it to sandwich at joepixpod.com. Joe, normally in this section of the podcast is everybody's favorite part, other than probably the outro music. We pick next week's sandwich. But Joe, as we alluded to last week, next week's sandwich has already been chosen due to our religious obligations. So Joe, can you set up what next week's sandwich is? Absolutely. So every year at the Passover Seder, we all have what's called the Hillel sandwich. It is a mixture of matzah, haroset, which you can use Sephardic or Ashkenazi haroset. That's going to be a big variation, Joe. And the bitter herbs. And you make it together in a sandwich. You usually are going to put some, um, some horseradish on it as well. And you just eat that baby up. Isn't the horseradish the bitter herb? I think the parsley is the bitter herb. You put parsley on that? Wow. This is, I mean, I'm going to have to go back to basics, Joe, to make sure I'm making the sandwich correctly. Well, you definitely want matzah, haroset, and, and horseradish on it. The question about parsley, I think, is, is maybe like your lettuce point. But I think you add the parsley, too. 
I think it's basically all the things you have throughout the Seder in a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. And of course, for any non-Jews out there, the reason we have matzah instead of bread is because during Passover, us Jews were not allowed to eat leavened bread, which, as you can imagine, would make doing the sandwich podcast very difficult. As I think, as much as we've debated everything, we the the bread maybe not entirely mandatory, but certainly the key ingredient in ninety nine percent of sandwiches. Yeah, I mean, I would say that leavening is like an essential component of of this podcast. <laughs> Except for next week, and you know what we will do for next year's Passover. I don't know. We'll have to go really deep into the old Haggadah to see what other types of sandwiches. The, uh, the Jews were having as they were fleeing Egypt. You but, have to, to spin the Haggadah wheel. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll add that for next year. But anyways, okay. Uh, great. We're doing the Hillel sandwich next week. Um, it's, 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 it's actually a fun sandwich. I think there'll be a lot there. Certainly from the history perspective, Joe. Wow. We're going to be going back to the uh, Jews' exodus from Egypt, and we can even talk about your exodus from Egypt. So yeah. that's very and, exciting. And Rabbi Hillel, I mean, we, we, we incorrectly said with the Elvis that that was the only sandwich you were going to do that was named after a celebrity. I mean, <laughs> Hillel is arguably, I mean, he's like the Elvis for us Jews. I don't know. You know, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Wow. I think about uh, what? We got King Solomon. He's up there. Yeah, I mean, that's true. He was a king. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, look, we'll we'll get into that next week. We're supposed to be going quickly here. Uh, hey, we got a new iTunes rating. That was great. Boy, right. we're, we're getting we're back up to four point nine after that. Uh, Rob threw in the four star spite rating. So uh, hey, if you uh, want to leave a review and have it read out loud, hey, why don't you give us a five star review? That'd be great. We're getting there. We're in the double digits now. So this podcast is starting to become a real thing. Anyways, time to put the bread away until next week. Actually, bread away until two weeks from now, or maybe even three weeks from now, because we're probably not going to do a wedding episode. Throw the bread away. The, yeah. bread, the bread can't even be in your house, Dan. Yeah, you have to. What is that called, where you have to go through your house and throw it all away? I don't know. But I think yeah. you just want to uh, give it away to, like, you know, hungry people. You don't throw it yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. True. And it's good juice we do that. Anyways, uh, Joe Picks a Sandwich is part of the Joe Picks Podcast Network. To listen to all of our podcasts, go to JoePicksPod.com or join the lively discussion on our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash JoePicks. If you want to talk about what we got right or wrong with the chicken salad sandwich, or if you have a strong opinion about next week's sandwich, the Hillel Sandwich, leave a comment on the Reddit page or email us at sandwich at JoePicksPod.com. Special thanks to Fanwich Josh, PhD, for research. His book, Red Me Republics on Bookshows, everywhere in just a couple weeks. And it's available for pre-order on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Also, thanks to Fanwich Jeff for the theme song and Fanwich Julia for the logo. And I'm sure, I mean, Fanwich Julia has got to get in her thoughts about the Hillel sandwich next week, too. That's that's going to be huge. I mean, I'll be with her when she eats one. She can give me her live her live take on it. I know. Uh, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes store so others can find this podcast. Joe, see you next week. Bye, Dan.